Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there, keep it locked with this Unomics podcast. podcast, 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 podcast. Yo, 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 welcome back to another episode of the Hashtag Disnomics Podcast. Make sure you check out last week's one. My boy Dr. Lee broke down the government's response to COVID-19 and why he thinks it's ineffective and why he thinks it's relatively poor compared to other countries. And he spoke about how you can protect yourself and limit your risk of exposure to COVID-19 and more explanation regarding the virus itself. Also, I was joined by my boy, Macrodesiac, a.k.a. David Bell. Uh, we spoke of the global economic implications regarding a recession, potential recession or lack of recession, the European U- Eurozone, sorry, um, the stock market, housing market, all that stuff. So make sure you check the episode out. It's very informative. This week now, it's just me. Bear with me. Might be a lot of talking, but there's a lot to go through. The streets been asking for it. I'm going to start off with the origin of COVID-19 why the origin is an issue that the world must address. Then I'm going to go on and speak on, give you a coronavirus um, update. However, I'm recording this on Sunday, the 22nd of March. So the information will be as accurate as of that regarding the numbers of infections, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to speak on what's been happening on the front lines. I'm talking, I've been speaking to doctors, um, general practitioners and nurses. So I'm going to give some of the comments they've, they've relayed to me and why it's important to stay your blood clot home. And then from then, I'm going to speak on the government response this week, especially Friday's address by Boris Johnson and Rishi Sunak, which leads on to a, the closing topic, which will be, which I think there's a big debate on Corbyn was oxing to blow the bag. Duh, 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 duh. But them say there weren't no pee for it. All of a sudden, there's hella peas, magic money tree, blah, blah, blah. Corbyn was right, blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to get into that as well. Because at first, I get really agitated with that because I think, come on, guys, you're being silly. But of course, naturally, not everybody has that level of economic information. And that's not even on a on a boy thing. That's just the general truth. Like, there's certain things that I have no idea about from a medical perspective. And I'll say stuff and then my boys will be like, yo, that's dumb. Because X, Y, Z. Do you see what I'm saying? So, let's start off with where the hell did this coronavirus-ish come from? Well, let's start off with China, yeah? There's a thing called a wet market. And you're probably thinking, what the hell is a wet market? A wet market is a market selling fresh meat, fish, produce, and other perishable goods distinguished from dry markets, which sell durable goods such as fabric, electronics, blah, blah, blah. A wet market in China, um, in Wuhan, China, they're the one that's catching all the heat for this because it is the most probable source of this coronavirus outbreak. Patient com- patients who came down with the disease at the end of December all had connections to the hu- to the hu- Hunan seafood market in Wuhan, China. The complex was still selling live fish, meat and wild animals and researchers believe a new virus mutated from the corona common in animals and jumped over, over to humans in the Wuhan bazaar. So if you... I beg you, man, Google these markets, fam. Just do a young YouTube. It is absolutely bonkers. You are seeing 
animals that have no right being anywhere near each other, right next to each other. Because like, I'm talking bats, pheasants, snakes, dogs. It is bonkers. So you're thinking of all the bacteria in these animals are doing a bad bitch link up and causing an absolute madness. It is, it is insane. The novel coronavirus and SARS outbreak of 2003 have two things in common, yeah? They're both on the coronavirus family, of course. They are more than likely to have started in wet markets, such as outdoor stores, and they're squeezed together in narrow lanes where the locals there and visitors shop for cut meat and ripe produce. A stall selling cage chickens may neighbour a butcher counter where meat is chopped by nearby dogs and nearby dogs watch hungrily. Some vendors hawk hares while seafood stalls display glistening fish and shrimp. Researchers of zoonotic diseases, these are diseases that jump between animals and humans, pinpoint the wet markets in mainland China as particularly problematic for several reasons, yeah? So researchers have been like, yo, this, these markets are higgy, yeah? Say no more. All right. The first reason is these markets often have many different kinds of animals, some wild, some domesticated, and not naturally native to that part of China. So you're having, as I said, you're having domesticated animals, animals that are not even from ends, and you're having wild joints. Like, nah, fam. The stress of captivity in these chaotic market weakens the animal's immune system. So these animals are not, their system are not as strong as they will be in their natural habitat because they're in very stressful, mad environments. And this, this, obviously, naturally, this will create an environment where viruses from different species can mingle, swap bits of their genetic code and spread from one species to another. According to biologist Kevin... Oliver, Vice President of Research of EcoHealth Alliance. When that happens, occasionally a, a nutrient of an animal virus gets gets a foothold in humans and an outbreak like this erupts. It's just crazy. These markets are so poorly regulated. Imagine that happening in the ends. It's impossible. You get shut down. In the case of SARS and the new coronavirus disease called COVID-19, bats were the original hosts. The bats then infected other animals which transmitted disease to humans. The coronavirus has killed so many people so far like in for example in Italy just saying on Friday almost 800 people died from COVID-19 in a day shortly after this recent outbreak um, Wuhan authorities banned the trade of live animals and at all wet markets there soon after China announced a temporary national ban on buying and selling and transportation of wild animals in the markets on 25th of February China's wildlife farm industry valued at $74 billion had permanently shut down. China's meat industry valued at $7 billion and employs 1 million people as well. It's crazy. The reason why people um, say um, bats are the origin because, because of the research that's been coming out. So, for example, if you look at... Hold on. Let me just gear this up right now. So, if you look at um, a detailed report released from the Wuhan Institute of Virology... The new coronavirus's genetic makeup is 96% identical to that of a coronavirus found in bats. However, there's another study that's yet um, that's not published yet argues that the genetic sequences of coronavirus and pangolins are 99% similar to the human viruses. Fam, I had to Google what a pangolin is, cuz that <laughs> this is mad. There's some properties that could also be seen as snakes, and these are all things that people in these wet markets just be chopping, and if these viruses are conjured up in these animals and they're transmitted from animal to animal, even in other animals that we could be chopping, they could come to humans. It's just absolutely wild, fam. So, why, why are Trump and other people putting on mad pressure on China? I'm not sure anyone's in the video where Trump's like, it's China, it's China. There are reports of dozens of incidents of bias against Chinese Americans in this country. Your own aide, Secretary Azar, says he does not use this term. He says ethnicity does not cause the virus. Why do you keep using this? A lot of it comes say from it's China. Racist. It's not racist at all. No, not at all. It comes from China. That's why. It comes from China. I want to be accurate. Now I'm going to give you a timeline of the events. So. Let's try and make this as quick as possible. Um, December 10, Wei Xinjian, one of the earliest known um, coronavirus patients, starts to fall ill. December 16, listen to how far this, bruv, man, they weren't even in Ghana yet, cuz. Um, patient admitted to Wuhan Central Hospital with infection in both lungs, but resistant to anti flu anti drugs. Staff later learned that he worked at a wildlife market connected to the outbreak. 
December 27th, Wuhan health officials are told that new coronavirus is causing illnesses. The 30th of December, I found a top director of Wuhan Central University Hospital post information on WeChat about the new virus. She was reprimanded for doing so and told not to spread information about it. Wuhan doctor Li Wenliang also shares information on WeChat about SARS-like virus. He's called in for questions immediately after. Wuhan Health Commission notifies hospitals of pneumonia of unclear cause and, and orders them to report any related information. December 31st, New Year's Eve. Wuhan Health official confirms 20, 27 cases of illnesses and, cl- and a closed market they think related to the virus spread. China tells the World Health Organization office about the cases of an unknown illness. So, so 20 days later, China eventually told the WHO. January 1, Wuhan Public Secretary Bureau brings brings in for question eight doctors who are pers- who are posting information about the illness on WeChat. <laughs> An official of Hubei Provincial Health Commission orders labs, which had already determined a no- the novel virus was similar to SARS, to stop testing samples and to destroy existing samples. On January the 1st, they were trying to bury fucking evidence, fam. On January the 1st. It's almost end of March. January the 2nd. Chinese researchers mapped the new coronavirus complete genetic information. This information is not made public until January the 9th. So seven days they sat on it. China announces its mapped coronavirus genome on January the 9th. From January, January 11th to 17th, important research CCP meeting held in Wuhan during the time the Wuhan Health Commission insists there are no new cases. No new cases yet? Say this. January 13th, first coronavirus case reported in China. The first known case outside of China. January 14, WHO announces Chinese authorities have seen no clear evidence of human-to-human transmission of the novel virus. January 14, their man were telling us that there's no clear evidence of human-to-human transmissions. These times has been pamming niggas since December the 10th. January 15, a patient becomes the first confirmed US case, leaves Wuhan and arrives in the US carrying the coronavirus. January 18, the Wuhan Health Commission announces four new cases. Annual Wuhan Lunar New Year banquet, tens of thousands of people gathered for potluck. This has spread like mad. January 19th, Beijing sends epidemi- epidemiologists to Wuhan. I can't say that word. January 20th, the first new case in South Korea. See how it's spreading. Zhong Nashan, a top Chinese doctor who is helping to coordinate, to coordinate the coronavirus response, announces the virus can be passed between people. A month and a week later, January 23, Wuhan and three other cities are put on lockdown. Right, right around this time, approximately 5 million people leave the city without being screened for illnesses. January 24 to the 30th, Chinese, China celebrates the Lunar New Year holiday. Hundreds of millions, not hundreds of people, not hundreds of thousands, hundreds of millions of people are in transit around the country as they visit relatives. And obviously, January 24, China extended lockdown to cover 36 million people. I'll start rapidly building new hospitals. It's just a joke. It's just a joke. Absolute joke. Absolute fucking fuss. And China, once this dies down, the world needs to bring China to distribute. There needs to be sanctions. Like, let me not even get ahead of myself, yeah? But <laughs> let me do my research more. But right now, it's looking techie for China and it needs to be punished. This is not a diss to Chinese people because Chinese people are not to blame. This is a diss to the authorities of China for not handling this correctly. Simple. Accountability is a must. Blessings for Pamela. Anyway, now an update onto what's happening in the world. As of now, the morning of March twenty second, Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. God bless you all. There's at least three hundred thousand people around the world that have com- at least three hundred thousand confirmed cases of Corona of COVID-19 cases in the world. Let alone people that are carrying it that don't know, let alone people that have dormant symptoms, 300,000 people. Another very important number is that on Friday, almost 800 people in Italy died of COVID-19. Earlier information during the week, I posted on my Twitter that um, Italy, according to Italy, this is just what they're saying, 99% of the people that are dying have had other serious medical conditions just maybe not to fully like scare people but obviously it shows that it's serious just because you and your family are cool you might be carrying a pastor to somebody who you who isn't cool and when people are talking about wow it's going crazy in italy please know people have mapped out 
the cases by day from the UK to Italy and our trajectory is matching Italian trajectory stride for stride. The difference is that they have imposed serious lockdowns and we actually haven't put proper mad lockdowns. And the second difference, which is the scariest one, is that per capita, so this is per person, Italy have twice the amount of ICUs than UK do. That shows how stretched NHS is, yeah? They have twice the capabilities and they are absolutely getting annihilated. Stay in your fucking homes. For the love of God. Because this is real. And speaking to my doctor friends, my GP friends, my nurse friends, they are shattered, they are exhausted, they're taking a boost from some of you dickhead people out there. I'm sure none of my listeners are like that. But you people that are really abusing and taking out your frustration on the NHS staff, God punish you because that's pathetic. Yeah? They're working overtime and they're not even protected. I'm going to give you a few notes. Obviously, I don't want to put nobody's name out there. I don't want to go into too much detail, tell you where this is happening because I'm protecting the identities of these great men and women. Here are a few of the notes. Loads and loads of um, calls for agency staff. Staff are calling, like, calling in sick because they're dropping like flies. Retired nurse, um, retired nurse, um, retired health professionals. I heard a couple of people's mums and that and aunties who are retired have been called, called back in. Student nurses are being deployed. There was an article my boy posted of GPs receiving masks that were expired with stickers covering expiry date. I posted it on my IG and one of my brothers that works in the, the medical field, she sent me a snap showing it's true. <laughs> she had one thing that was hiding an expired mask. That's how short of resources we are. But people, but one of my brothers at the hospital, she's telling me that people are now starting to get fitted for their eye and, and um, mouth mask. There's not enough hand sanitizer. There's simply not enough equipment. More and more equipment starting to be deployed, but obviously people have been working without. Visiting hours are being cut, of course. People with money are finessing the game because they're getting some people with money have no symptoms when they're getting tests, which is just an absolute violation. It's just fucking irritating. And these celebrities, and I'm pro celebrity, people listen to my podcast, I'm always defending celebrities. I'm always saying they're not your role models, let them live their life, let them do as they please. Don't get onto them because they're rich, successful. I'd support athletes. But these are, oh, I've got coronavirus, guys. Like, please stay safe. This message is sponsored by Gillette. That's how I feel it is. Like, stay calm. Like, I feel like it's just raising the hysteria. Also, the ration of masks, because it isn't enough, is crazy, yeah? Because they're obviously trying to prioritise the masks for people that are dealing with patients that have got the bait face symptoms, so the, the coughing and the temperature. But some people are coming in with other viral symptoms that are not, like, as detailed, I mean, as um, external. So, for example, if they've got diarrhoea or something. That means these staff members are treating these people potentially with no protection, and then they're only finding out after when the blood tests are running. They go, okay, cool. This picture's looking similar to COVID nineteen. That's why, like, they're putting their they're putting their health at risk, and it's too late. They've they've already been exposed. They have already been exposed. So that's what it's looking like. Um, there's a calls a, a, a somebody sent somebody called LBC. I put it on Twitter. It's on YouTube. You can find it. And it's like, listen, we are getting absolutely battered. There's We've reached capacity. If you don't stay home, we're done. And that's why the government have been employing all these measures to try and get people to stay home. Maybe they need to enforce, they need to enforce an actual lockdown because I was seeing people at, at weddings and, and pubs and that. Like, what's going on here? This is not a joke thing in our fam. Like, essential visit only. I, I can't understand if people do it like a, a, a little gathering, maybe a one, two, three, three, four people in a place but going to it's insane if your pastor is running church he's irresponsible God will understand so allow them things there it's crazy now if we go on to what the government response has been this week there's been a lot of updates I'm going to go through the most recent one on the 20th of March 
basically Rishi Sunak was talking like he had a money cheat on GTA, but don't be buying a money cheat GTA, you can start copying everything. First is first things first. Gym, gyms, leisure centers, pubs, theaters, cafes, restaurants to be closed. They also announced a coronavirus job retention scheme. So this is where your employer can now contact HMRC and HMRC will work with them to cover up to 80% of retained workers' salaries up to £2,500. Obviously, if your salary's been on £2,500, don't cry, don't beg. But they're trying to, you know what I mean? They're, they're trying to make sure that people still are getting paid, still pay their bills and feed their families, which is good. This coronavirus retention scheme is set to be active before the end of April. They're working very hard to get this done. Business loans will be, by the time this podcast drops, the government claimed that business loans will be active for application and they will be interest-free for 12 months now. Before, earlier in the week, they announced six-month interest-free loans, but now they've extended it to 12 months. People that are due to make VAT payments next next quarter, this quarter, they're going to be deferred for next quarter. So that's an, another reprieve for self-employed people and business people. The overall universal credit allowance is going to go up by a bag a year, by £1,000. Self-assessment payments are going to be deferred until January 21, which is good. Self-employed people can now access statutory sick pay, and this is by them making certain changes to criteria regarding universal credit and all that type of stuff. So I'm going to do a more detailed look into how all this stuff, when the information comes out there, because Rishi's just announcing it. He said a paper will be posted in the coming weeks with how they're going to finance this in more detail. So when I get that, I'll give you a lot more detail. So I know a lot of people ask me questions. There's simply not enough information right now. Um, also, there's going to be a £1 billion increase um, regarding housing benefit and housing allowance. So there's going to be a housing allowance that's going to be able to cover at least 30% of rents, of market rate rent, the market rate of rent in your area. So this is going to go hand in hand with the three-month mortgage um, holidays that in case for people that can't pay their mortgages in this troubled times. So that's the response of Boris and them, yeah? This has led to a lot of people going absolutely bonkers online with regards to this whole, ah, oh, magic money tree, yeah? Oh, but when it's Corbyn, he's going to destroy the economy. Oh my God. This means Corbyn was right and you know were wrong. See, it could have been done. Blah, blah, blah. Without being rude, yeah, although it does irritate me, I can understand to certain... Like, if, I, if I'm being objective, I can understand the philosophy. Because you're saying, hold on, a man's talking about spending bare peas, every sense is mad, and all of a sudden, bare peas are being spent even more peas, and it's calm. Okay. Well, first things first, I think it's best to look at Corbynomics. I'm not sure if I was one of that term. I probably wasn't, but I'm going to take claim of it anyway. I want to look. I think it's best to look at what Corbyn wanted to do, and why Corbyn wanted. Maybe, okay, look at what Corbyn wanted to do. How much it was looking like it was going to cost. Were the costs actually accurate? Were the way the Corbyn was planning to find it accurate? What is this? What is Corbyn's plans in comparison to the rest of the developed world, and why does it differ to what is happening now? So let's start off with Jeremy Corbyn. First things first. With Jeremy Corbyn, he has a lot of distractors. And I feel like people like to group his, his detractors into one monolith. There's people who generally just dislike Jeremy Corbyn for no real reason. Like, no real reason at all. There's people that just, just maybe from the Jewish community that think he's anti-Semitic. There's people who just think he's a crazy communist. And there's some people that disagree with his economic economic policy but still respect him and admire him so i fall into the latter category i respect and admire jeremy corbyn i think he's probably the only politician that i have enough access to in terms of information that i will like do you know what this guy has shown years in fact decades of integrity putting the people first in most cases and a man of the people who generally wants a better life for most british in fact if, if not all british citizens and i think you can't fault his integrity as I, as for those who've listened to me on my podcast, who went to my event in December before the election and when I broke through all his policies as well as the Lib Dems and Conservatives, I'm actually a fan of his foreign policy. I've always liked his foreign policy. Uh, I like some of his educational policies. 
all the all the parties' healthcare policies I don't like because it's basically just pandering to the, it's just delaying inevitable. The NHS is not fit for purpose. That's for another podcast. And these economic policies, some bits I like, most of it I don't like. Same for the Conservative Party. Some bits I like, most of it I don't like. Same with Lib- the Liberal Democrats. I probably like their policies a bit more than other two. I tend to not like most of these government's economic policies. Okay, cool. So let's go into Corbyn. That was just to show that this analysis objective is not like an anti-Corbyn thing, yeah? I can't speak for other people, I can only speak for myself and people that think like me. So, by by 2023-24, Labour want to add additional £83 billion of day-to-day spending every year. An additional £83 billion of day-to-day spending. Do you know that's... Do you know what? How much eighty-three billion pounds is? Well, last so if you look at twenty nineteen to twenty twenty um, financial year, the government expenditure was about eight hundred and eight hundred and forty-two point eight billion pounds. So this will be nine point eight five percent of that. So it's a significant increase. Cool. So it's not like it's not like it's not some small increase. So that's what I want people to understand. But we'll don't we'll get to the details of this. He wants to increase capital spending from 47 billion from 1920 up to 114 billion in 2023-24. So from 47 billion to 114 billion, so more than double. Cool. Total public spending in March 19 in a March 19 statement last year which I went through my podcast was about 37.8% of national income. Corbyn's plans wanted to push it to 44% of national income. That would be the biggest rise in living memory of increase in proportion of public spending to national income. The biggest rise from one from one period to another. In the past, the only rises comparable to that which was proposed was when the British state was either in a state of economic crisis or World War times. Let me repeat, economic crisis or World War times. Very important. So that shows... When you increase spending to that degree, it's usually in a case of need. Economically, where Corbyn wants to actually end up isn't exactly terrible. It's doable. My issue is, it's not really exactly with the increase in expenditure. It's just what it's on. Like, are these things actually going to really improve the lives and productivity of the UK economy and people per capita me personally I'm here for making sure anybody vulnerable should be looked after because it's not their fault that they're vulnerable do you see what I'm saying I want it to be a safety net for everybody's society I don't want people to fall through the cracks when people fall through the cracks not only morally it is wrong for having in a prosperous nation people living in utter wallows but also for health and safety for the rest of society because this is how people turn to crime and stuff like that there's no benefit to me i don't feel like a country can be this successful and we have home we have people thousands of people sleep on the streets every night that's ins- that's insanity to me nobody should sleep in the streets tonight especially when you've got homes that are empty and being used as, as bank accounts that has to be patterned so my only issue personally with Corbyn, it's just a morality of some of these measures. Wanting to look after the lesser folk in society is fine. Wanting to come and yak resources is not fine. And people try to pretend like, oh, but Corbyn doesn't want to take... Why do people pretend that Corbyn wants to run up in your house and take... Um, well, <laughs> he's already said it. He's already said in the manifesto, which I read every single word and line of, yeah... He wants to do certain things where in companies, 10% of your company is going to be given to the workers. That's insane. So for all the people who are working right now and are seeing things go tits up, especially you self-employed people, especially people with businesses, when things are going tits up, yeah? Are your workers chopping the debt? Are they chopping the L's? The only thing that happens to them is they lose their jobs. Worst case scenario. So if you've taken no risk in building up my company, why should you now take equity now my company's popping? 
especially when the things go when the shit hits the fan, you ain't taking the L's at me. And to me, that's authorized theft. Sorry. Wanting wanting to confiscate the assets of private schools. Huh? And also nationalizing all these industries is just imposing your will and just take it from private sectors. My main issue with that is I don't believe a central state can efficiently run an economy. It's just too much. It's too much to handle. I think um, I was reading about Soviet Russia when the Soviets were in charge, yeah? And bear in mind, our markets is a lot wider now because that was like 80 years ago or some shit. Fam, 24 million prices. How could a central body control and be and accurately control and sustain 24 million prices that takes away incentive that like people need to stop looking at policies and ideologies at face value remember we're human beings so when you implement a policy don't think oh yeah, this sounds nice no think about how a human is going to react to it it's all about behavior look at the incentive what is it in that person that business's best interest and that will give you a very big clue to how they will behave. And I don't believe socialist me- methods get the same results. We're going to get into the, to that all that stuff a bit later. But that, that's just my opinion on things. So if we look at to where Corbyn wanted to end up in terms of percentage of national income being um, being attributed to, gov- um, to public spending, obviously, yeah, it's more than Holland, more than the USA. In around, it'll be in around the same as Germany, but less than France. The issue is culture. Culturally in the UK, not you, uh, maybe more left-leaning, went to study at university, um, probably higher um, educational um, career than the vast majority of previous generations of British people. Not you ethnic minorities have come from quite strong family, community-oriented backgrounds. The rest of the country don't give a flying fuck. That's why man got pammed the elections because they don't care like that about preserving the rights and looking after the people that that lack. They don't care. They just they just don't care, and that's one of the issues because the spending that you're going to need to have that level of spending, you're going to have to finance it some way, yeah. And that's going to come with an increase of taxation, especially, and that tax will be hit by us. Walk before the hit, whether we like it or not. And I'm going to detail how these taxes hit us, even if the government don't want to raise income tax. I'll tell you how. And they will have to anyway. Britain, as I traditionally spends less than most European countries. The main issue with Corbynomics was the speed at which he wanted to um, implement all these things. And when you want to implement this vast overhaul in how we do things and spend it, it's almost impossible to avoid massive misallocation of resources, which is unforgivable. Also, when you analyze the labor costings, they were so incomplete in, in many cases. For example, Labour wanted to increase the, the state pension age from 66 to 67. The increase in this costings are nowhere to be seen in their documents. The IFS, um, independent think tank, they um, estimate that this will cost twenty four billion pounds a year by twenty fifty. Twenty four billion pounds per year. That's a huge amount of money. Also, free personal care for elderly and vulnerable. Do you think that the elderly and vulnerable should receive free personal care? I do. But I would like to know how it's going to cost and how and where we may have to make cuts to make sure that this happens. I personally believe that we have enough money to look after the people in this country. I personally believe that as an elected official, your responsibility primarily to ensure our safety and our well-being. So the most important thing, obviously, that outside of making sure we have enough money to pay for generate money to pay for things in the first place, is our safety. So I think these type of things should be priority, and we make cutbacks elsewhere. That's my personal view. So, free personal care for the elderly and vulnerable. Labour estimated that this will cost £10.8 billion per, per year. This was from a, a charity, King's Fund, um, document. However, in that same report, the document said that if this was free, demand will rise. But Labour didn't account for that increase in demand in their costings. So again, it's incomplete. 
is inaccurate. Obviously, something becomes free because they, they said it costs that much now if you to do everybody who's paying to make it free now. But obviously, if it's free, more people want to use it. It's natural. Also, many, several tax experts say Labour aren't getting anywhere near their um, £83 billion additional tax revenue per year. The IFS say that corporation tax revenues will decline over time. Of course they will. Clifford, a partner from Clifford Chance, I forgot his name when I wrote this down, um, that they're a massive law firm. He said, Labour's uh, plans to raise tax won't actually raise as much as they want to. It's impossible. Especially, okay, look at Labour's financial transactions tax, yeah? So this is on trades and all that type of stuff. If you look at derivatives, which have no value when they're put in place, how can you tax that? You're not raising anything. It doesn't make sense. Also, capital gains tax. That's going to be easily to finesse because people just time their sales around the tax years and stuff. Three quarters of the £83 billion of what Labour intend to raise, or intended to raise in terms of tax funds were predicated on, well, leverage, I say, on companies, so corporation tax on them, and people holding securities, financial securities. Like, researchers reckon they'll do, they'll do well to get two-thirds of that. These taxes will just get passed on to customers, consumers, and employees. You tax, you tax the increased tax in corporation, they're going to be like, oh, okay, cool, ah, oh, labour, hey, you man got me still, I right, cool, here's the extra, no, they'll be like, okay, cool, our expenses are going up, I mean, our profits are going down, so what we need to do, we need to pass these costs onto the consumer, maybe a couple of job losses in that, but Bob's your uncle, we've made up our losses. That's how it works, we see it all the time. Also, borrowing to nationalise British Telecom and provide free broadband is possible. They can do that if they wanted, if they wanted to. But is this a responsible use of resources? Are you really borrowing to put, in, to put broadband in rural areas that there's no evidence that is going to deliver high returns to the UK economy? A noble procedure, but a waste of money. If, you, if you're balancing that, because there is no unlimited cash. Like, every pound you spend is a pound you could have spent elsewhere, and it has a consequence, yeah? We're going to get into that. So, how are Boris and them blowing a bag like this, yeah? So, Rishi touched on it um, during a press conference, and he said it's going to be, as I said, it's going to be a document drop-in. And I'm going to give my analysis on what I think, and it's pretty obvious and from what many people think, because Boris released on the radio is from borrowing. This is how it's gonna run. Okay. There's a feel, there's a thing called a guilt. Yeah? And a guilt is just a fancy name for UK government bonds. What's a bond? A bond effectively is an IOU. Hey, yo, fam. Basically, if you give me P, here's this paper. I owe you ten thousand pounds. I'm gonna pay it to you over 10 years at this interest rate. That's essentially what a uh, bond is. The British government has never, ever, ever defaulted on a guilt. So the streets know, yo, if we buy up UK government debt, they're not going to pay us back because they're certain they've got a history of it. Yeah? So it, of course, the interest rates are relatively low compared to, like, I don't know, like a, a Greek government bond. Because Greeks have had a... I mean, it's, it's, it's similar to our everyday lives. The better your credit score, the lower the interest rate you'll, um, you'll get on loans. Simple as that. People with horrendous credit scores have to go for payday loans and they have terrible interest rates compared to people with great credit scores. They can go to like an investment bank, for example, depending on what they want to do. So with, with, with guilts, guilts provide investors a regular predictable income. Pension funds tend to be heavily involved with them. Inflation and interest rates over recent decades has made guilts more attractive because of the exchange, um, the interest rate you're going to get is going to be higher than what you get in a bank on a, on, a, on a young savings account. So what happens? The Bank of England, quantitative easing, they print money. So they go in, create money real quick and buy guilts. 
which pushes the price of gilts up, which gives the government money to go and spend. That's how it works. No magic money tree. Not pulling money out of out of Yeezy shoeboxes. Oh yeah, Boris had 500 M's in the Yeezy shoebox. Let me pull it out here. None of this stuff where, oh, where was this for Grenfell? No, none of that stuff. Yeah? The money was always there for stuff like Grenfell. These motherfuckers just don't care enough. And that's the issue. That's what I want people to get into their brains. The money to do the stuff that the government needs to do and has needed to do has always been there. They just don't do it. That's the difference. You think this government can't pattern the lives of the Grenfell victims? They don't have money. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. They have money to do that. So that is for, that is not even anything to do with Corbyn and them. That is the basic requirements for a government to be able to look after its people. It's mad that's taking Corbyn to come in to make us realise that there's there's a gap here. That the government aren't doing enough. So there's no magic money tree. Firstly, I compare... This is the comparison I gave people didn't understand why um, the government are printing money right now and not printing money for, like, let's say, Corbyn's policies, for example. Here's the reason why. There's consequences when you do this, which I'm going to get into later, but take this example. The same family, yeah? Let's, let's call it the... Sharon, she has a daughter. Sharon's daughter is really smart. She wants she wants her daughter to do French lessons, but she doesn't have that much money. She thinks if if my daughter does French lessons, she'll get into this private school that's going to really set her up for the future and it's going to take us out of the hood. Blah 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 blah. If we found out that Sharon took a crazy ass payday loan with her one thousand five hundred percent APR, we'll be like, that's a bit silly. Why would you take out a payday loan just to finance your daughter's French lessons? Yeah, it's a good cause, but it's not worth that drastic measure. However, if we, if Sharon and her daughter were faced with eviction, if they didn't come up with £5,000 of rent arrears in two days and they'll be on the streets with nowhere to go to, no family to rely on, if they took a payday loan, we will understand that, like, you'll understand that more because, okay, it's a very terrible terms, financial terms, but at least it will let us survive and then we're going to try and figure it out on the other side. That's the same thing. That's, a, that's the same thing here. A lot of the policies Corbyn's want to implement in terms of like the the Wi-Fi and all those things, good noble policies, but what is the actual benefit and is it worth the long-term economic implications of borrowed? Because some we can have to pay that money back. It's not like it doesn't doesn't disappear. We are going to have to pay for it. Just because you don't pay for it now, don't mean they can pay for it later. And I already told you about just now about how det- it will be passed down to us as consumers. Even people, oh, the NHS, NHS. The amount of money needed for the NHS to, to op in its current model to get the right amount of investment, all of us are going to have to be chopping. There's going to have to be a 60, 70% tax rate. And people ain't having that. And it'll be, a, it'll be like a black hole anyway because the more and more healthy people get, the more and more the cost of medicine gets up, the price to maintain that system goes up and up and up. And anyway, you can't physically maintain it solely reliant on taxpayers' money. That's a story for another day. So, yeah. And back to why. Sorry. Back to why. You just don't print money and give it, just use it to do anything. Some people say, why don't you just print money and give it to people? Like, and the government are pretty much going to do that now. But the reason why this isn't done regularly, I'm going to say two, two, two names: 1920s Germany, and. 2000 Zimbabwe. Hyper bleeping inflation. If you just print money, the money you already have loses value. And in, and the longer and in the long term it becomes less valuable. Do you remember back in the days when if you had one pound, you can go to the shop. This is probably for us in the late 20s, early 30s and above. You can go to a shop if a pound coin grab a Snickers and probably grab a can of Coke. Nowadays, you give boss a one pound for a can of Coke, you get 15p back. Back in the days, a, a child bus journey was 40p and uh, adults was 70p. It's like one pound 40 something now. There's a thing called PPP, Purchase and Power Parity, 
what our pound gets us now ain't the same as what our pound got us 20, 30 years ago, fam. Like I said on my podcast, in 1996, six grand will get you a deposit in a home and <laughs> get you a deposit on a home. Six grand might not even be your stamp duty right now. And that's the effect of inflation over time. And in that period of time, we've seen in the last, let's say, 10, since 2007, so over 13 years, we've seen mad levels of quantitative easing. And all that's done is destroy the value of money long term and also increase the wealth inequality, which I'll go into later. So our purchasing power gets pammed and we end up in the back same position before. Let's say you give everybody 10 bags each. Let's say it's not, not in an economic crisis time. Just literally gave everybody 10 bags each. What are people doing? People will be going buy iPads, MacBooks, iPhones. Da, da, da. What's it going to do? Push up the price of iPads, MacBooks, because demand is high. And also they become more scarce because they don't have to match demand. Price goes up. Fam, in Zimbabwe, they had to start to print out $100 trillion bills because that's how wild the currency got. So what? So the magic monetary is essentially your central bank printing out money, buying assets, bonds, creating a money supply for banks and as well as for the government to go out and borrow and um, go, to go out and finance all these crazy stuff. So quantitative easing, which, has, which is obviously the buying all these bonds and all that type of stuff. Why? What are the positives of this? So why, why is it useful potentially in these times? It lowers the threat of deflation. So right now, people's businesses, we're seeing a lot of impact on business. We've seen what happened with the airline industry, seen what happened with restaurants and pubs and clubs. Like obviously I have an event trending with my boy Yusuf, shout out Yus, uh, some of my other boys, um, Lark Sundays, for example. Um, you've got um, Fader, shout out Taser. Make sure you touch Fader as soon as Corona, Corona virus is done out. Turn up with my G. Um, who else do your events? Obviously the BFF girls do events. Um, Recess, DLT, all these great events in, that I know of. Let's think about them, for example, in this, in this tough time. They can't operate as a business. They they don't work. So that's that's that that's that that's that output, that money generation going out of the economy. And let's say other companies like let's say like there's like a local coffee shop, and we have lockdown for six months. That coffee shop goes out of business. What happens? People don't work. So this type of stuff can help stem the tide of um, reducing output, which is a reduction um, GDP, which le which basically is, leads to recession, and also reduction in job losses. That's why the government were talking about the, the loan schemes and the cash grants for businesses and the corona um, job retention plan to keep people in jobs because they don't want this to happen. That is the, one of the impacts of the measures the government are taking. Another... Lower interest rates. Government cut interest rates. No, sorry, the Bank of England cut interest rates to 0.1%. The impact of this is it obviously incentivizes people to spend instead of saving and it also gives businesses confidence to maybe invest because the interest rates are low. Also, a decrease in exchange rates. Right now, the pound's at historically low levels. I saw the other day um, the pound reached a level lower than even the Brexit L, lower than... Um, Flipping 1985 levels. Remember back in the days when one one pound would get you two dollars? Run up in Macy's in America, blowing the bags, everything now half price. And now you're thinking, yeah, if I have about three bills, that's about five hundred dollars. Well, right now, one pound gets you one point one six US dollar. So three hundred pounds gets you three hundred and forty-nine dollars. The exchange rate is taken absolutely hammering. Why that can be a positive for the economy is that it makes our exports more competitive. But obviously, in this stage, like, people ain't really trying to shop on that, you get me? So that's all techie. The negatives is increase in wealth inequality. So what we've seen since 2007-8 is that obviously the Bank of England, quantitative, quantitative easing, low interest rates, buying up bonds and all that type of stuff, providing banks with more liquidity, etc. And ability to lend and borrow at cheaper rates. What has that led to? Massive gains in the stock market. Obviously, they're getting pammed now. 
and house prices going up through the roof, which making it more expensive to buy a house and the rents for people like me and people like you at home more expensive. Also, inflationary pressure. Obviously, if you've got increased money supply, there's going to be inflationary pressure. Prices will go up, just as I spoke about potential hyper and hyper inflation. Also, low interest rates keep alive zombie companies that really sh- that aren't really productive, but because they could borrow at cheap rates, they could stay afloat. And also, the annual income of pension funds also go down, which is really damaging for um, people's pensions. So this is like just because this is apocalyptic times, like. People can't go outside, so people cannot earn. People can't earn, people can't sell. People can't even fly. So this is a serious cause which has led to serious measures which are going to have repercussions in the long term. We're going to have to pay this money back. There could be austerity. You see what I'm saying? Like, But we're just trying to survive the times. That's what's happening. Because you, 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 the government can't afford people to send into chaos. Because if nobody's working... I say nobody, that's a hyperbole, hyperbole, sorry. People ain't working, business ain't earning. People will eventually riot. Just facts. People need to eat. People go mad and riot. So, and you're trying your best to not let the economy go to absolute shit. To absolute shit. And this is why the government are implementing the measures they are doing. And I want to end this podcast by saying, fuck Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson, once we handle this, Boris Johnson needs to go as Prime Minister. He was so slow, and still being slow to a degree. Don't 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 let uh, the Chancellor Rishi Sunak being super patterned deviate from the fact that Boris Johnson's a bum. And I've been telling people, people who dysnomic subscribers know and listeners know that I've been telling people that this fallacy that Boris Johnson is playing a long game, he pretends to be dumb, but he's best smart. I told you it's cat. He ain't Ben Affleck, he ain't an actor. He's generally this level of incompetent. He's mediocre. And he has a reputation for not reading the finer details. And this is why we were slow to act. And even now, we're still being relatively slow in regards to not having a full-on lockdown. And that's why our, we're going to get hit harder in Italy, unfortunately, people. So, this L from Boris Johnson is going to cost people their lives, unfortunately. As I'm in the economic um, recovery harder as well. And sorry for this, it's, un- it's unforgivable. He, he has to go. But I'll probably talk about that with my politics people on the next podcast I'm going to try to. Please, any questions, hit me up, hashtag Dysonomics. Follow me on, on Instagram at Dysonomics. I always post regular coronavirus updates. So regarding what's going on in the news, any government breakdowns, and feel free to share them. You don't have to tag me in it. Say, oh yeah, I got this from me. I don't care. This is this is it's more, I'm not, this is not like my album or something. Like, <laughs> it's, not like, it's not like niggas are stealing my tracks. This is just spread information so people know. And please stay in your blood clot homes. If you hear the voicemails I'm receiving from my doctor friends, my GP and my nurse friends, it's manic. Please, let's help the people that are helping keeping us alive. And until next week, God bless you. Peace. Stay safe. Sports Social Podcast Network. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.